is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Men will tell you, There he is, or here he is. Do not go running off after them, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the roof of his house with his goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked, he replied, where there is a dead body, there the vultures will gather. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming, in, coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on the earth. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, we are having a short holiday break in our sermon series uh, in the overview, which will resume once the next term starts. And so we're going to have a short holiday series on uh, some of the parables of Jesus. And so today, of course, we come to this parable of the persistent widow. Uh, before we look further at this together, uh, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the Gospels which record the life and ministry and teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you for the preservation of these, uh, these parables, these stories Jesus told uh, to make a point, uh, these teaching aids. As we reflect on them together, may the, the points of them uh, come home with renewed clarity, but also the application of them. Uh, may they flow into our lives and shape the way we live uh, and the way we walk as Christians. Amen. Do you find it difficult to be persistent and consistent in prayer? Well, if you do, uh, you would not be alone. At different times and for different reasons, I would suggest that every Christian has this struggle. Uh, it may be for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's because uh, we're physically tired and we fall asleep after a long shift. It may be because we are lazy and ill-disciplined 
in making the time. Maybe that we are apathetic and really indifferent to the needs of those around us. It may be that we have a a false sense of our own self-sufficiency. Why do we need to pray? And it may be due to discouragement in prayer. We pray for something, and yet nothing happens. And we lose heart. And we need encouragement. Uh, In the early 2000s, I was uh, in Indonesia for a few years, uh, working in a church in Maidan in Sumatra. And I did quite a lot of work with the the youth fellowship there. Uh, As you're probably aware, the Indonesian society uh, suffers from this whole issue of corruption. And Christians are faced with quite a dilemma as to how to respond as Christians. And this dilemma extended to the youth. Uh, We became aware of what happens in the, uh, the universities, is that when the youth are close to graduation, they want to have one final project before graduating, often uh, the lecturer responsible for this would withhold granting their pass mark until they had either offered them bribes or often they would even get them to come around to their houses to do domestic work. And as the Christians, this is a real dilemma as to how you respond to that. Do you acquiesce? Do you resort to uh, giving bribes and just uh, allowing yourself to be abused in this way? Uh, So there was one particular girl who was in this dilemma in the youth fellowship Uh, And she was wanting to hold fast. Uh, She was refusing to uh, play the system and to just uh, basically capitulate. And we wanted to support her in this uh, as a Christian and taking this stand. And so some of us uh, in the Youth Fellowship, I suggested, uh, we get together and we pray for her. And not only that, that we fast for her. Uh, And so we'd pray and fast for a day uh, with a view to praying that this lecturer would not withhold Uh, the approval of the final project, which he'd been doing now for quite a while. And so uh, that's what we did. And I prepared this body of the youth who were committed to doing this, saying, look, you know, we don't know how God will answer the prayer in terms of it may not be an immediate answer. It may be something which uh, will take a while. We just have to trust God for that, but we'll pray for it. And so that's what we did. Uh, We fasted for a day and we prayed for her. And then it was absolutely amazing because she came in the next day and she said, you know what? Uh, the lecturer has approved my dissertation. He's, written, he's, he's finally approved it. And we were just absolutely you know, beside ourselves. We were saying, wow, prayer does work. You know, and we're thinking, right, what else can we pray for? <laughs> and I don't want to eat all week. Uh, let's, let's take on the world. And so we are incredibly encouraged. It was such a shot in the arm, such an unexpected outcome. But the thing was that after a few weeks, uh, she still hadn't graduated. We said, actually, you know, what's going on? Why haven't you graduated yet? And then it came out. Because in Indonesia, there's this whole thing of not losing face. And so she had become quite concerned that we were going to lose face because we'd all committed to do this, and she felt a real pressure to deliver and say, oh, this has happened. And when it became apparent that it hadn't happened, we were so discouraged. We were in a worse state than if, you know, it had just been... We just waited for the Lord to answer in, the, in, the, in due course. It's this whole thing of being lifted up so high and then finding actually, oh, it didn't work after all. And we were hugely and incredibly discouraged. So uh, that sometimes can happen. We can be discouraged in prayer. Uh, Winston Churchill is famous for his rousing speeches to the peoples of Britain during the dark days of World War II. 
Of course, he was the man for the moment, the one who would rally the nation to fight on alone against those beastly Germans. Uh, of course, he said famously, we will fight them on the beaches, we will fight them in the seas and on the landing stages. Uh, another particular memorable speech which Winston Churchill gave was to the students at the elite school of Eton. And he stood up and he gave this speech. Never, ever give up. And he sat down. That was it. One of the shortest speeches in history. Uh, what Winston Churchill was trying to instill in these students was this indomitable spirit of persevering, even in times of difficulty, in times of persecution, in times of apparent defeat. And it is that same spirit that Jesus wants to instill in you and me through this parable. Never, ever give up praying. He gives us his central points in verse 1, Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. This parable is all about persistence in prayer. Persistent prayer in the midst of trouble. Uh, persistent prayer in the midst of difficulty. Persistent prayer in the midst of discouragement. Jesus is encouraging us to keep praying, uh, even when maybe we feel that our prayers get no higher than the ceiling. And so Jesus tells this parable, this story. It's a made-up story which tells us something true. And in the story, of course, are two people. And the first is the widow. And this is a woman who has nobody to represent her. Uh, she has nobody to defend her in the courts. Uh, she is being pursued by an adversary and there is nobody to stand up for her. Uh, I'm sure that you're well aware that throughout the scriptures there is a special place in the heart of God for widows. They seem to be the most vulnerable of all the peoples in the world. Uh, the New Testament letter of James tells us that the essence of true religion is the care of widows and orphans. And particularly in the ancient world, the widow was indeed helpless and vulnerable. So, for his purposes, Jesus chooses to tell the story of such a person, a widow who is being unjustly treated. Uh, she has been wronged, and now she is suffering and her only hope is to find justice at the hands of the courts. And so she wants to present her case to the judge. But Jesus tells us about the judge. Verse 2. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. There are two things the judge doesn't care about. He doesn't care about God, and he doesn't care about people. And if you put those two things together, how much do you think he cared about justice? That's the sort of person who is sitting on the bench to which this poor widow comes to plead her case. Verse 3. And there was a widow in that town 
who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. The first time he asked her, he brushed her off. Who are you? What are you doing here? Get out of here. Don't waste my time. I couldn't care less about your predicament or your plight. Go away. You're bothering me. But she wouldn't give up. She comes back a second time. Your Honour, I don't know anyone to plead my case against my adversary. Will you please hear my case? Don't you get it, lady? I don't care about you. My hands are in the air. I just don't care. I'm not interested in God. And I'm not interested in justice. Get out of here. And we're told things continued like this for some time. But this woman, she wouldn't take no for an answer. Verse 4. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Uh, This woman is persistence on steroids. She will not give up. She is doggedly determined. And so she keeps beating and beating and beating on the door of the unjust judge until finally becomes so weary with her persistence that he agrees to hear a case and to give her justice. Why is Jesus telling us this story? He's telling us this story to encourage us to always pray and not give up. Now, clearly, Jesus is not saying that God is like the unjust judge. Quite the opposite. In some of the parables, there is a deliberate contrast between how God behaves and between how fallen creatures behave. Uh, Sometimes, not here, but in other cases, the the highlight is is contrasted using the term, uh, how much more? The whole point is there is a contrast. And that is the type of principle that Jesus is setting up here. Verse 6. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? You see, there is a contrast intended. It's a contrast between the God and the unjust judge, which is meant to encourage us to pray. The point is this, God is everything that the unjust judge is not. The judge is unjust. But God, of course, is just. God is passionate about justice for his chosen ones, for his people. The judge loves only himself. And yet God loves his chosen ones very, very deeply. At the end of the day, the judge is a fool. And yet God is infinitely wise, especially in regards to timing. And Jesus here describes his chosen people as, and I quote, crying out to him day and night. 
Now, the point is not that we need to beg God the way that the persistent widow begged the unjust judge. That is not the point. Uh, The parable is not telling us that we need to keep bugging God until we wear him down and he finally says, okay, here, have it. Prayer is not a way of talking God into doing something that he doesn't really want to do. That's not the point. Remember the contrast in this parable. The point is this. Why do we persist in prayer? We persist in prayer because of what God is like. He is totally unlike the unjust judge. We persist in prayer because God is just, because God is loving, because God is wise. God does listen carefully when we pray. And he answers our prayer, not but because he is all wise, he answers our prayers in the way that seems best to him and also in the timing that seems best to him. Now, it's not a coincidence that this parable comes immediately after Jesus' teaching about his second coming, what's called the return of the Son of Man. And that is also how the parable ends. Look at verse 8. I tell you, He will see that they get justice and quickly, speaking of course of God. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, when Jesus returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find his people still being faithful and persistent in prayer? We are waiting for the return of the Son of Man. The point, of course, is there is a delay in his return. The Son of Man has come in humility as the person of Jesus. And at that point, of course, he inaugurates his kingdom. Uh, One day the Son of Man will return in all his glory. And at that point he will finally consummate his kingdom in all its fullness. But the point is there is a delay Uh, We live in the in-between. We live in the now, the kingdom has come, but the not yet, it's not fully come. And so we long for the day when Jesus will return to make everything right in our world. But the question is, how will we live as we wait for his return? When he returns, will he find that we have been faithful in his absence? Sometimes, of course, uh, we lose focus on the fact that he will return. Uh, And maybe we lose sight of that and it it fails to really give us perspective in our day-to-day struggles. But what Jesus is doing here is he's trying through this parable to give us that perspective in our day-to-day struggles. In the context of the return of the, the Son of Man, will we remain faithful? Will we keep on praying will we never ever give up and he's encouraging us to keep praying mindful of what God is like he is totally unlike the unjust judge God's timing is rooted in his justice in his wisdom and his love 
that girl in Maidan did eventually get her dissertation passed. That was an answer to our prayers. It came. Maybe it would have been more protracted if we hadn't prayed. We do not know. We have to trust the timing of the God who is just, loving, and wise. And so we persist in our prayers, never moving our eyes off our wonderful Savior and Lord. Ephesians 6, verse 18, let me close with this. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And remember, God is loving. God is just. God is wise. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we so need to be people of prayer. We need to pray each day for your provision of our needs. We need to pray each day for protection from our great adversaries. We need to pray for your peace in our hearts amidst all the stresses we face. Heavenly Father, we need your power to triumph in our struggle with sin. We need to persist in our prayers and we need your enabling to do that. Heavenly Father, we need to pray for your kingdom to come and for your chosen people to one day get the justice that we are waiting for the Son of Man to bring. Please, we pray, help us to persist in our prayers. Help us to be disciplined. Help us to overcome our discouragements and to live as people of vision, never losing sight of your character and your faithfulness to us. Amen.